The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. So we've been talking about the Brahma Viharas and uh, we've already covered two and today we will be doing number three. And as you can see here, I always have that black slide in the beginning there and then the light and the radiance of these beautiful states that start to light up the world, that start to light up our own hearts, our own minds, and also the hearts and the minds of others. So just uh, to begin here, so I uh, tried to find a title for the Brahma Viharas that uh, might be a bit easier for people to relate to. So the four highest hangout places for the mind. That's what we've been talking about. And we already covered um, metta here, which is a kindness or a friendliness. And then we've also covered um, karuna, which is basically caring, um, especially if there is some suffering that is happening. So having empathy for um, other beings. Now, today we'll go into mudita uh, together. And then the last one will be upeka over here, which is like an even-mindedness. Uh, it's sometimes also called equanimity. And the four words, just to summarize them that I'm, I've been using, are love, care, joy, and balance. So one thing that I forgot to mention last time that I actually wanted to mention, a word that is also used almost uh, synonymously with the word karuna is anukampa. So anu means along with, and kampa is like a shivering or a trembling. So it could be translated as trembling along with or resonating with. So as I mentioned before, uh, the word empathy is, I think, quite fitting to also describe the same thing, which basically means that we are connecting and that we are feeling with other beings. Now, empathy, unfortunately, when people think about the word empathy, they often just think about it in a negative way. So it's not just, it, so it doesn't just apply when things are going wrong. It actually also applies when things are going well, when things are brilliant, when things are happy and joyful and successful. And that's actually exactly what we want to talk about today. And that's why I wanted to mention it to have this bridge from Karuna to Mudita. So empathizing, but in a joyful way. Empathizing when things go right, not when there is suffering. In other words, we could also say we are delighting in and we are celebrating what is precious, what is beautiful, what is good in this world, but especially in our fellow human beings. 
but I would like to spend a little bit of time here. So it is quite specific to a human being in this sense, but I mean, we can delight and celebrate and see the preciousness and the beauty in so many other things. So it doesn't just mean that it only applies to other human beings. So we can see beauty in nature. We can see beauty in other beings, uh, like out here uh, in Newbury in nature, seeing the animals, seeing the wild, seeing the weather, seeing so many different things that we can appreciate, delight in and celebrate. But in this case, it's usually a quality in another human being. So we are also supporting and encouraging the good in that way, the beautiful, the wholesome, and we make sure that it also spreads and that it starts to prosper. So again, we are still in COVID times. I don't know if someone will be watching this video a couple of years down the track, uh, what they will be thinking about this whole COVID thing, but we are still having this and it is a simile. So um, COVID is contagious and it's something we don't really want to catch. It's something we don't really want to become a host for. So that's what I have on the next one here. So we are giving those beautiful things a home and we are giving these beautiful things an opportunity. We are hosting them in our own being, in our own hearts, in our own minds. And again, now it's something beautiful. Now we want to make sure that this goodness, that this happiness, which is in the world, actually starts to spread, starts to grow and starts to prosper. So it's something we should um, be happy to get infected with and we should be happy to give them a home and host them in our own beings. All right. Now, one of the difficulties, however, is that beauty has to be perceived, has to be appreciated, has to be seen, has to be recognized. And this quote from Rolf Waldo Emerson, I found quite uh, good to bring up at this point. So though we travel the world over to find the beautiful, we must carry it within us or we find it not. I guess you will be able to resonate with this and understand this from a point of view that when there is no happiness in your own being, in your own heart, when the mind is full of defilements, when the mind is distracted, when the mind is angry, whatever it might be, then it's very, very difficult to see the beautiful and to find the beautiful. So we have to develop it within ourselves. We have to get accustomed to it within ourselves, in our own hearts, and then we can actually find it in the outside world as well. And that's another quote, which uh, leads to the same conclusion here from Rumi. The beauty you see in me is a reflection of you. So when you are happy, when you're contented, when your heart is pure and radiant, you will go out into the world and you will see a lot of beauty in the world as well. So the purification of the mind is a very important um, first step on this path. So Mudita, 
is therefore and for that reason related and based on contentment and on gratitude. Because when we are discontented, when we are full of expectations, when we are full of hopes, wishes, when we are lost in defilements like comparison, then mudita will be very, very hard to muster. So we kind of have to get our act together to a certain point, unless there is something which is so inspiring, so beautiful, that it just kind of somehow jolts us out of a mind state which might be unwholesome or not so bright and beautiful and kind of pulls us in. These are beautiful moments in our day-to-day -day lives. So it's not just joy, but joy is an easier word to put with the other words there, and it's not that long. So it's actually rejoicing. So we were talking about anukampa before, and there's another word in Pali, which is anumodana, and modana is connected to mudita as well. So it means rejoicing along with. So if someone is happy, like um, I guess it's the gentleman in green here, is very, very happy, and the other person is coming and joining in that happiness, celebrating that happiness with that other person. One beautiful thing about mudita is that this happiness and this inspiration is completely free. It's not something we are as such creating within ourselves. We are creating the opportunity to see it and to perceive it, but then it kind of comes from the outside at that point and we can catch it, we can pull it into our uh, minds and our hearts and nurture it and make sure it grows and make sure it can prosper. So this free happiness comes at no cost. We are not losing anything. So it's not even like, you know, sometimes we talk about investment. So it's nothing you actually have to really invest. You are getting something. And also there is no selfish need if it is pure and uh, good mudita, if it's pure rejoicing, then we are not trying to change the situation of the other person, or we don't have any ulterior, ulterior motives to get more of it. We are just happy that someone else is happy out there. So we are simply tapping into, we are resonating, as I said before, with the happiness and the joy, which is already there. So it's kind of borrowing it. We are borrowing some happiness from the outside. And I found a nice quote from the Dalai Lama here, um, which I didn't quite understand in the beginning. So this is, I think, paraphrased by someone else what he said a little while ago. So when you count other people's happiness as your own, when you realize that the happiness of them is gonna be your own happiness, your chances for happiness increase by six billion to one. Now, actually that must have been quite a little while ago. He said that, his holiness said that, because now I checked, we have 7.9 billion human beings as of January, 
2022. So it means you currently have 7.9 billion Mudita lottery tickets, if you want to look at it in this way, in the daily happiness draw. And there will always be some happiness. If you only have a ticket for yourself, there will be happy times, there will be unhappy times, but your chances are not that big. If you think of all human beings out there, and that's actually one beautiful thing of the internet, that you can find out about good things happening in the world out there that would be a bit difficult to find. So you find them, you check your ticket, you see, yes, <laughs> my lottery ticket, happiness Mudita ticket is there. But now what we do with Mudita, we don't forget to actually cash it in. So basically any second, there will be someone happy on this planet. <laughs> so any second, if you would know about it, if you would be able to tap into it, you have the opportunity to cash in on happiness yourself. Okay, next one is the definition. I usually um, try to define um, the Brahma Vihara a bit more. So we're talking about rejoicing. So the definition here that I came up with, with a, from a bit of research and thinking about it myself is the wish and the action for virtue, for goodness, for joy, to grow and to flourish. And as I was describing before, it is growing in another person and we encourage it to grow more in them but we also give it a home. We are a host, we give it space, we nurture it so it grows within ourselves. The second part is the kindling agent. So usually we have something which encourages this beautiful mind state to establish itself within ourselves. And that happens through reflecting and seeing the virtue, the success and the joy which is already there in the world in your day-to-day -day life. Or, as I said before, we can also practice this with gratitude and rejoicing in the beautiful things in nature, the beautiful things within our lives. Okay, next one is tying it back to the suttas. So if you've seen the first two talks that I've given already, on the Brahma Viharas, we have been using the Removing Resentment uh, Sutta um, from the Anguttara Nikaya 5s. It's 162. And we've already gone through the first four. And now the fifth one is the one that I feel fits really well uh, into what Mudita is. Let's see what it says. So how should you get rid of resentment for a person whose behavior by way of body and speech is pure and who gets an openness and clarity of heart from time to time. So before we always talked about people who had some blemishes, who had some problems in uh, those areas, either by body or by speech or by not having the mind able to be open and clear from time to time. Now we come across one of those rare moments or one of those rare beings that exhibits just the beautiful at this time. So let's make sure 
that we don't have resentment. I'll go through the path to Mudita before. There is some hindrances. There are some pitfalls that can happen on the path. But here we are making sure that they don't happen, that the resentment gets removed. And how can that be done? So what the Buddha had to say in this sutta about this is, suppose there was a lotus pond with clear, sweet, cool water, clean, with smooth banks, delightful and shaded by many trees. I guess for us in Australia here, um, especially in Perth, I hear <laughs> it's pretty hot, so we can actually relate to this. But also remember, the Buddha lived in India, and India is usually a place where it's very, very hot. So the coolness is something which is used a lot in the suttas to um, show something beautiful, to make sure that the heat of the defilements is kind of cooled down. But if you are uh, in Europe at the moment and it's winter over there or in, uh, in the United States or, you know, somewhere on this globe where uh, there is another season, then you can also replace that with being cold, being out in the cold, being out in the dark, and then coming into a room, coming into a space where it's warm, where it's bright, where it's beautiful in that sense. Right, so now the Buddha describes the person who is walking along. So there comes a person and that person is struggling in the oppressive heat, weary, thirsty and parched. But when they see this beautiful pond, what they do is they plunge into the lotus pond, they bathe and they drink. And after emerging, they sit or lie down right there in the shade of the trees. So the beautiful qualities of that human being are now described as the water, are described as the water which cools your body, the water which you can drink to sustain yourself, but it's also the shade that beautiful, um, cool shade, maybe even a little bit of a breeze that is there that you can enjoy, that you can expose yourself to. And with the water, I especially kind of like that simile there because you are really immersing yourself. You're really jumping into the water and um, surrounding yourself by this. And that's what we should be doing with those beautiful qualities. We let them in, we let them sink in, we let them um, develop and grow within our own hearts and minds. So the sutta continues in the same way. At that time, you should focus on that person's pure behavior by body and by speech and on the fact that they get an openness and clarity of heart from time to time. Now, I think it's the next line. Yes. So no, not, not yet. It's the line afterwards. So now it says that's how you get rid of resentment for that specific person. It is stunning, you know, even someone like the Buddha, who was really pure, had a purified mind and a fully enlightened being, people still had resentment towards that person. Instead of going and drinking that water, bathing in it, getting shaded by um, this beautiful qualities, they actually complained internally. But now, relying on a person 
such as the Buddha or a fully enlightened being or even a being who is very pure at a certain time, relying on a person who is impressive all around, the mind becomes confidence, co confident, sorry. And the word which is used here is pasidati. So it becomes bright, it becomes purified, it becomes clear. Um, pasada is the word, or sampasadana sometimes is also used um, for the uh, second jhana, for example. So you, you are really, you are at ease, you're confident, you, you gain sada, um, you gain um, faith and confidence in another person. And through seeing those qualities in another person, you gain confidence within your own ability to be able to grow that yourself, to be able to give it space and to have it develop. So that was Anguttara Nikaya 562. It will be in the description below if you want to um, uh, look that up for yourself and also find different translations. So as usual, also today, I would like to use the simile of the road here that leads up to this specific Brahma Vihara, to Mudita, and that will allow us to start from the opposite, what is uh, completely 180 degrees turned around from what Mudita is, and then step by step, get closer and closer to what Mudita actually means. So. I made a little mistake, I realized I mentioned Schadenfreude last time when I talked about um, Karuna and the opposite of Karuna is really cruelty and not so much the rejoicing in bad luck for other people. But then again, Schadenfreude, it's often used uh, like the German term, uh, which means taking pleasure in other people's harm, but uh, I found uh, this person who wrote a whole book about this, and it's not just German. I just wanted to show you here at the beginning that there is many other languages. So in ja uh, the Japanese have a saying, the misfortunes of others taste like honey. Then the French speak of joie maligne, a diabolical delight in other people's suffering. Then we also have in Danish, sorry, my pronunciation for all these languages that I don't really am fluent with, fluent in Danish talk about skadefrud, I guess, and the Dutch of ledvermak. In Hebrew, enjoying other people's catastrophes is simcha led. In Mandarin, that will be really hard, sorry, is simzai li huo maybe something like that, definitely wrong. But um, I have a bit of connection to check here. So in Serbo the Serbo-Croat, it is Zluradost, and in, Ra in Russian, it's Zlorodost. And even if you go back in time, many, many years ago, more than 2000 years ago, a couple of 500 years after the Buddha, Romans spoke of Malvolentia, Earlier still, the Greeks described epicharia, no, epicharekakia, something like that. Literally, epi means over, chario means rejoice, and kakia means in disgrace. So it's not something 
that only Germans do, so don't understand me wrong there. It's just Germans very often have uh, words for things that other people don't have. But you can see here in other languages, it exists as well, either as a word or as a simile. And that is exactly the opposite of mudita. That's what we don't want to get caught out in. But if we are not well ourselves, if our minds are not very pure, it is one of those pitfalls. Good. If we put that on the slide, on our road to um, Mudita, then it happens right at the bottom there. Yes. Schadenfreude. So feeling good when others feel bad. Then we have two things which come up very often. One of them is envy. Envy means that we are um, not happy that someone else has something and we are asking why does this person have this and why don't I have it. Now we often confuse envy and jealousy. So envy is wanting something that someone else has. That's what psychologists say anyway when I found out uh, uh, online. Often we mix those two terms, envy and jealousy. So envy, we want something which someone else has, and we're not really happy for them to have it. We would be happy if we had it, but we're not happy that they have it. And then the second one is jealousy. And jealousy basically means that we are afraid that someone will steal something, that we will lose something like our partner, our friend, our position, uh, a promotion, whatever it might be. So. Jealousy is the fear of losing something, the fear of losing a happiness, a worldly happiness. That also ties in with this word scarcity. So we're thinking that there isn't enough to go around. And that might be true with certain resources. But with Mudita, we are mainly, hopefully, talking about inner qualities, about things that we develop within ourselves and that are basically limitless. They are not limited. There is an abundance of opportunities um, to find those things. And we have the seed within ourselves. We just need to nurture it. So we think there is not enough to go around. And then that often leads to this unhelpful way of competing with other beings. Then we can go to a different thing, which is a pitfall. So we can be, uh, we can have cynicism. We can have pessimism. We can say that joy doesn't really exist. So they all just think of themselves. For example, we can say if people are happy, we're like, you know, they're just doing it for themselves, for their own gains. Why should I be happy with them? Or we can have a negative mind in, think, in thinking about, oh, you know, it's all, it's all impermanent, which is true, <laughs> but it's all going to be worse and it's all going to fail and it's no point in even, you know, rejoicing or being happy. And also thinking that real happiness doesn't exist. Real happiness does exist, but we have to find the right places to find it. Next one on the list is the fear of exposure. I, I call it there a lack of a better term. So 
when you see children, they usually are very open and generous and happy and they express things in the moment as they, as, as they are happening without any fear. So they don't think that it will look odd or that it will feel vulnerable to them. The older they get, the more they get um, uh, conditioned by um, our culture, our society. They might want to um, hide these things, which is a bit of a, um, a shame. So please remain a child at heart and just, just be happy. Laugh when something is funny. Cry when something is sad and be vulnerable. And that way you will be able to connect, to empathize with other beings, uh, with care if something is going wrong and with uh, rejoicing when something good is happening. Then we get to things which are a bit closer to Mudita, but not quite there yet. Um, Hyper-positivity, I guess you've found people in the world as well. They say, you know, it's all great and it's all great all the time. And, and that is not true either. So we want to be grounded in how life is. We want to know how difficult things are. We want to know that there is suffering in the world. We want to make sure we don't ignore that. We don't kind of fly away and are, you know, floating on, on cloud whatever. Do you say cloud seven in, in English? I'm not sure. Um, but in German we say you, you, you float on, on cloud seven. So you are grounded. You understand what is happening. But you still rejoice. You're still happy with good things that are happening. So you have a, a balance there. And then another thing which might happen is you might have experienced uh, people around you or you might be a person yourself that sometimes falls into this. So we are actually expressing um, some happiness and some joy. So we are saying you are the best driver or you're the best cook or you're the best partner or, or yeah, you know, just a few examples there. But it is kind of empty. We don't really mean it or we try to flatter another person. Or even worse, we say these kind of things because we want to get something back. So we praise them for something they've cooked because we want to have more of it. We praise them for their, their driving skills so we can get another lift down the track. So we have to be careful there. So it's again, it's very close. So if you are rejoicing with another person, be honest, be authentic about it. Don't overstretch things, don't exaggerate things, um, but there's always um, uh, lots of beautiful things that we can find. And then the next one is rejoicing in fleeting pleasures or gains. So um, what I could, could come up, uh, up with here is your house or your job or your status is great and um, that might be the case. But now we can bring again impermanence into the game and we can be realistic about these things. So when we start to rejoice with things that are actually a bit more long lasting, that are a bit more meaningful, that is much, much better. So we don't just rejoice that another person is rich, for example. We rejoice in their beautiful qualities, how they are using those means, for example. So they're not just wealthy, they are actually wealthy in virtues as well. So they are sharing their virtues with other beings. Or if they have a good job or if they have a nice house, 
We can thank them for inviting us, for being generous. We can um, see the quality in them which has brought this about. If it wasn't just an inheritance, for example, we can praise them for being diligent, for working hard, for, um, you know, these kind of things. I hope um, you get a bit of a picture there. So that uh, was something I, I found in the Visuddhimagga where it actually uh, mentions that. So rejoice in the right things and in the things that are really worth it, that are really beautiful. That's like an inner beauty. And um, that is what is very, very close to Mudita there. Or it is actually Mudita if we do rejoice in the right things. So what is Mudita then? So this was the path. Sorry, yes, I just uh, show them all here. So if someone wants to pause the video and then go through them and have their own you know, thoughts and contemplations, here it is. And when we follow this path, we get to Mudita. So what does Mudita mean? It means recognizing and appreciating. So you have to see the beauty. As I was saying before, you see it within yourself, you see it outside of yourself. Nature can be wonderful. Um, if it all happens, I'll be guiding a meditation um, tomorrow. And I was reflecting that all could be something we could be talking about, all beauty and belonging. So seeing that and developing that within your own mind. Next one is, here we go, savoring. So letting the joy really sink in, tasting it, feeling it, bathing in it, drinking in it, drinking it like um, was so beautifully described in the sutta that I was reading at before. So that's what the concept uh, we call savoring these days in psychology, I think uh, matches this one quite well. And sometimes we're afraid, we're afraid of pleasure. Please don't be afraid of these kind of pleasures. The Buddha said there is certain pleasures we have to be careful about, but rejoicing in virtue and in beauty, letting it in, sink, letting it sink in, tasting it, feeling it, is not dangerous. It's to be encouraged. Then we have respect and we have inspiration for um, those beings that exhibit those things. So inspiring, again, comes from breathing it in. So you breathe it in, you make it your own, you, you respect it, you're in awe. And then you develop these things and you grow these things within your own heart. So it spreads to you and then from you it spreads to someone else and it spreads around the whole world like we practice the Brahma Viharas. We spread them all over the world. And we want this goodness to go out there. Then joy and gratitude. So it's wonderful if we can also express our gladness. Gladness is another word that is used for mudita. Our gladness, our thankfulness. And we do that freely and we do that naturally. So as I said there as well, don't be afraid to show these kind of things. Um, these are beautiful qualities that should be shown more and should be spread around more. Next one is the generosity of heart. So if someone is happy, if someone has success, 
we wish them, may you do well, may you be successful, but also may we, may I and you, which is we, may we do well, may we be successful. So the more of these beautiful qualities we bring into the world, the better the world will be for everybody. So in that sense, it's not a limited resource, it's a resource that starts to spread around and actually become more, the more people join in. So that's the generosity of heart that you can have, which is exactly the opposite of jealousy, of envy here. And then this is more just a summary of rejoicing. So you basically can internally say, I'm happy that you are happy. Very easy. <laughs> Okay, and here we have all of them. Again, also for you to reflect on if you wish a little bit later. Okay, and basically what it often comes down to, which I've alluded to now many, many times, instead of having this view of competition, we can have a view of cooperation of coming together, of bringing these things into the world. And this is actually from my teacher, teacher training. We were talking about how um, schools operate and how we are comparing um, ourselves uh, or comparing ourselves to each other. And um, that's what very often happens. If you have competition, then this unskillful way of approaching things will allow one or two people or a few people to kind of make their way to the top but they have to do it by sticking their elbows out as we say by basically as you can see here with those karate uh, guys um, beating their opponents and that's not how we want this world to be we wish to cooperate we wish to encourage each other to see those qualities, to bring those qualities together and to make them grow globally, to spread them around, as I said before. Cool. I think we don't have that much time anymore because lunchtime is usually a bit earlier over here. So that is almost what I wanted to show. I just have two more quotes to um, round it off and then uh, a little reflection. So this is from Random Acts of Kindness. When we seek to discover the best in others, we somehow bring out the best in ourselves. From William Arthur Ward. And kindness, they say, is choosing to acknowledge and celebrate the beauty in others, regardless of whether or not they can find it themselves. And that's really beautiful there. Sometimes we can point something out to another person who is not actually aware that they have this beautiful quality. And if we do that, then they will become aware. And then they can acknowledge and celebrate it as well. So that is beautiful. They have the word kindness here and I took <laughs> that out and replaced it with mudita because I do feel it actually fits very, very well here. Okay, so let's 
um, spend a little bit of time. I usually um, uh, bring a mantra up at the end here for you to sit silently with me while I'm reading it out. So you can get a bit of a feel, hopefully, for that Brahma Vihara in your own heart. So um, 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 let me see. Now the tech, uh, technical side of things comes in here. I stop sharing the slides. Here we go. Yes. Cool. So please find a comfortable position to um, do that little, little uh, reflection um, with me. <clears throat> Let your body and mind settle. Maybe just breathe in and out a few times, a little bit deeply, more deeply than usual. And breathe in inspiration. And when you breathe out, just let everything relax. So I couldn't find a Mudita mantra online. The other ones I found from other teachers. So I created my own and it goes as follows. Oops, here we go. Life has many moments of happiness, beauty and joy. Life has many moments of happiness, beauty, and joy. May I be able to recognize and to appreciate them, even if they seem insignificant or small. And then may I cultivate inspiration, joy, delight, and gratitude within my own heart. May I cultivate inspiration, joy, delight, and gratitude in my heart. When others are virtuous, successful, happy or healthy, may I rejoice and be happy with them. Or as I said before, in short, I'm happy that you're happy and you're happy that I'm happy and then happiness just grows and spreads and radiates out into this world. We need more joy. We need more happiness. We need more virtue. Okay. Wonderful. So now is the time for Questions, if there are any. <laughs> Bante, there, there hasn't been any questions that have been submitted as yet. Oh, um, okay. Very good. Looking, <laughs> looking through them at the moment. I can't spot anything. Sure, yet. 
Sure, sure, sure. No problem. How was, how was, it? How was the internet? Okay. Internet was okay. You froze up a few times, so I had to um, pull you off full screen. And oh, okay. um, it was okay. I froze. There we go. So as I was saying before, if you are in a cold climate, when you are freezing out there, you come into the warmth, into the light, and you thaw. <laughs> and Ed, what, there's one that just came in. Um, yeah. What is the best action to stop anxiety? What is the best action to stop anxiety? Okay. <laughs> so we are uh, kind of launching into different topics now <laughs> that are not quite related to Mudita, but uh, that's fine. We do have a bit of time. Um, anxiety. Anxiety and fear, yes. So um, if it is an unfounded fear, um, I do recall there was uh, an acronym that was used in the past for fear, and it's false expectations about reality. So if that is the case, then we have to actually check and see what is actually happening out there in real life. What is happening within my body? What is happening outside of myself? And is there really a reason to feel anxious, to feel fear and to reassure yourself that that is not the case? Or if something is there, to find something that can reassure you, to um, reach out um, to friends, to family, to someone um, uh, who is skilled in, in this area, you know, uh, to a therapist or whatever. Um, also to find the resources within yourself to, to deal with the situation. And it's, it's normal that anxiety arises. So it, it is a signal that tells your body, okay, something is going on out there that I'm a bit unfamiliar with, that um, I'm not sure about, and that I need to spend a bit of time to, to figure out. Um, yes, I guess it might also um, be uh, related to, to coronavirus because that's happening at the moment. You know, also there, we do hear a little bit of the beautiful things to bring it back to Mudita that are happening out there in the world. But very often the news are just presenting what triggers us, what um, gets people to, you know, read it or to switch on their screens and, and watch it. And there might be too much information that is true, but that might be exaggerated and that might be um, uh, out of proportions. And then we can get anxiety and be afraid of something which isn't actually as likely to happen to us. But um, yeah, of course, now with uh, uh, Omicron spreading, it's, it's much, much more likely. So I don't encourage you to not be safe and to not do the right thing, but to just choose wisely, you know, uh, what information you expose yourself to and how much because if you get the same information from many, many different outlets, then just the bombardment of that, the sheer adding up of the information again and again will make it more prominent in your brain and in your system. And then you give it more value than it actually has. So also to um, you know, balance it out there and uh, make sure that you 
see anxiety as a signal of your body and then you react to it approach it appropriately respond to it i guess is the better word yeah thank you ajan there's mm -hmm. two further questions um yeah. the first one is uh could you speak to uh, pity and the, the physical experience of it? Mm -hmm. Yes, that is actually interesting because someone was um, was asking that also in an email that I got and I um, encouraged a person to maybe ask it. I, uh, it's not the same person, by the way, but I said it's better if we ask that in a bigger forum. So when I talk about it, then uh, more people can get some benefit of it. So Piti Sukha, um, usually come together, they're like inseparable twins. Um, rapture, pleasure, bliss, um, there's different words that are used for it. And they do happen on a physical level. So you can have tingling, you can have warmth. The person that was writing to me was describing that um, they, they can kind of direct that within their body and also use it for healing. So that is, that is beautiful. So it shows you that um, it's, a, it's a wholesome, it's a beautiful energy that should be encouraged. But in meditation, if we are sitting down and if we're trying to make our minds peaceful and still, um, it can be distracting if we go too much to the physical feeling of it. So very often if we sit in meditation in the beginning, and we do a body sweep, for example, these things might start to arise, and that's beautiful. If we can use them as a vehicle to make the body relaxed and at ease, so we can actually let go of the body. So we want to make sure that this energy doesn't get stuck in the body, so to speak, and we get lost in the bodily sensation. We want to bring the happiness and the joy that gets generated uh, on a mental level, we want to take that into the mental world. So we want to make sure that when these things arise, that we um, transition to the more quiet, more deep, more meaningful piti sukha in the mental world. I hope that helps. Thank you, Ajahn. There's uh, one more question here. I'm just going to paraphrase it. Um, mm -hmm. Is is the feeling of relief that you avoided some travesty not a wholesome feeling? Um, not which is really not necessarily um, happy that others have suffered. Uh, but right. So it it means uh, if I understand correctly, I I see it there on the screen um, because I'm in in that mode. So we are happy that they are not suffering, that they haven't been exposed to something. Well, I mean, it's just putting it in another way, isn't it? If you say you're happy for someone to be healthy, then you are saying that you're happy that they're not sick, that they haven't gotten a sickness. And it's also related to Karuna and and meta you know i mean we we wish that other beings might be well that they might not suffer so i think it would fit more into meta as far as i can see that's why i haven't mentioned it here as mudita mudita is as far as i understand very specifically looking on the beautiful that is there the success and the happiness 
the karuna is looking at a suffering, a difficulty, a challenge, and then meeting that with care. And metta is seeing something beautiful, but also seeing the uh, wishing the avoiding of these kind of things. I hope I hope that um, makes makes sense for the person who is asked that question. Thank you, Ajahn. And just one final one that's come in here, um, mm -hmm. again off topic. It is, is it uh, is it okay if I meditate on a picture of the Buddha by right. visualizing it, or could it be dangerous? Could it create psychological issues? Right. <laughs> could it be dangerous? Uh, not, not to my knowledge. I mean, I must say, uh, I've heard that visualizations are um, more common in, uh, say, Tibetan Buddhism or in Mahayana Buddhism, so I'm not so familiar with it myself. I do use visualizations if you are used to, you know, um, hearing uh, my guided meditations, for example, because I'm quite a, a visual person. But we have to understand here that the idea is we are visualizing these things to have a deeper impact um, of the feeling they come with. And if you are visualizing a Buddha, I would assume that you are doing that to, as, a, as an object of devotion. And then the devotion and the surrender and the awe and the inspiration that you're trying to bring up with that picture in your mind is actually what you are trying to develop. So with all the visualizations, it's not the aim to have a perfect picture. That is not the point. The point is the meditation um, or the, the, the feeling they carry, the thing that will allow your mind to settle, but on a mental, again, like I was talking about the piti uh, in, the body, in the body. So it's, it's, it's a mental quality that we are trying to um, connect to and to eventually get drawn in by because it is so beautiful, because it is so uh, inspiring. Thank you, Ajahn. Okay. There's one more here to follow up on the question or your response to the pity. I'll yep. just read that one out. So my experience of the pity was quite pleasant. Mm -hmm. After after the sit, I experienced, sorry, I'm going to read that. My experience of the pity was quite pleasant. After the sit, I, I experienced I experienced, after the sit I experienced, was very unpleasant sensations akin to a small electric shock. I oh. was told that pity was not always pleasant. Right. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be, you know, my experience or um, the only thing that I can think of here is that Pity is a sign of uh, things becoming still, of uh, things becoming peaceful and becoming pleasant, yes. What might be happening there, my guess is that something which wasn't so okay had the opportunity to release, and that might be what uh, uh, you're describing here as, as a bit of an electric shock like, you know, a muscle that is twitching or something like that. But I wouldn't say that that is the pity itself. 
the pity is really a, a rapture, a joy. It's something very, very pleasant, um, warm, tingling, lightness, floating, um, these kind of things. So the electric shock to me sounds more like uh, a releasing of something. Uh, I, I wonder how the person felt after after that releasing um, um, has happened, if that has actually, you know, if it was in a body part that um, had some trauma or had some injury and then consequently felt felt better. That's uh, what, what makes more sense to me. Okay, but I think we better wrap up because um, it is time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ajahn. Thank you for joining in. And thank you for your questions. Thank you for um, uh, your attention. And uh, let's pay homage to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha to uh, finish off. Okay.